0: It's natural. Peace, that's an accident. It's what is. When you're pushed, killing's as easy as breathing.
1: Hello, this is the next episode of Nefarious New York. I'm Allison, and I'm here with Meredith. Hello. All right, we're going to jump in. You're going in blind going again. Going in blind, but I'm very excited. Okay. So first, I'm just going to tell you a little bit. The fictional character Rambo is a Vietnam War veteran who is traveling the country. He ends up in a- Oh, my sp- God.
0: Wait. What? I saw that movie the other night. Ooh. I literally just watched it like two days ago. I love Rambo.
1: Oh, all right, well, he ends up in a small town where he is not welcome. He is forced by a cruel sheriff and deputies to flee into the mountains and wage an escalating one-man war against his pursuers. All right, so tonight we're going to talk about the case of Brian Britton. Brian Britton was born on May 19, 1972. He grew up in Poughkeepsie in upstate New York, the same town as Albert Fentress from our last episode. I'm, I didn't focus. Folk- I didn't do it on purpose.
0: I literally was just going to say, what is wrong with these upstate New Yorkers?
1: <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't do it on purpose. Okay. As a child, Brian was described as sweet. He played with the neighborhood boys, rode bikes, and played with his matchbox cars. His sister does recall that he was very selfish and demanded his father's complete attention. If something was not about him, he just didn't care. And when he got angry, he would lash out physically and and not stop until he was snapped out of his rage. He also loved camouflage from a young age. In his teenage years, he started to act out, which escalated the older he got. He stole money from his family. He would throw Chinese stars into the walls of the house, and then exploded when he was reprimanded. He had a severe obsession with war movies and violence. He was especially fascinated with Rambo, and also kept a range of military paraphernalia in the house, including army fatigues, canteens, and Soldier of Fortune magazines. He created a shrine in his bedroom with dozens of Rambo posters and magazines, army packs, smoke grenades, various guns, and ammunition. The family did hunt, and his father taught him how to hold and shoot the guns. Once he got a bit older and he got his first girlfriend, he was obsessed with her. His parents wanted to limit his time with her so that he could focus more on school. This led to loud and increasingly violent and threatening arguments. Everyone thought he would grow out of this behavior. Brian began skipping school, and the school had recently called his parents about his poor attendance. Brian reportedly had been arguing with his family for several weeks over his poor attendance. School officials described him as a run-of-the-mill student. The principal of his high school said, there were no trends with this kid to indicate a problem of this magnitude. Two days before the murders on March 20, 1989, Brian refused to go to a family party. This caused a lot more arguments that just seemed to be escalating. On March 22, 1989, Brian was 17 years old, living with his mother, father, younger brother, and older sister. Around 5.15 a.m., Brian dressed in his military fatigues and loaded his 20-gauge shotgun. He went to his parents' bedroom, where his father was sleeping, and shot him twice, killing him instantly. His mother heard the shots and ran out of the kitchen to see what was going on. Brian shot her in the living room where she died. His sister entered the room and threw a book at him, and he shot her in the head and abdomen as she was trying to escape the house. His eight-year-old brother came running, and Brian said he just pulled up the gun and shot him real quick in the front hallway. His brother staggered into the living room and laid down next to his mother, where Brian beat him in the head with the butt of the shotgun until he too was dead. Brian then said, I sat there and cried. I loved him. It was just a reaction shot. His sister walked upstairs after being shot, bleeding profusely, and went into the bathroom, then made her way back to her bed where she laid down. And that is where the police found her. See, the problem I have with this is that he's saying he's so sad about it, it was just a reaction shot, but then he beat him to death with a gun.
0: Obviously, the guy's got mental problems. So he was probably still in the rage. Mm -hmm. How do they know the sister, like, staggered and went upstairs? Did they, I guess he must have told them
1: that? Uh, He told them some of this, but also um, from the blood evidence. Okay.
0: You know what the sick part about this one is? That sounds like half the boys we grew up with. Every kid was obsessed with Rambo. I know. And war movies. My, Jonathan, my brother was. My twin brother was obsessed. That's why I know so much about Rambo, because he would watch the movie over and over again and make me watch it.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. All right. Brian then went to his uncle's house, which was next door, and he told his uncle that his father was shooting the whole family and that he had escaped out a window. At 5.22 a.m., his uncle called the police. To confuse the police, Brian told them that the family had been receiving threatening phone calls. Brian was arrested around 7 a.m., and when he was booked at the police station, he told the officers to refer to him as Rambo.
0: Okay, well, now you know he's a sicko. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Upon a search, the police confiscated a revolver and four shotguns in the house, including the one used in the shootings.
0: All right. So there's four shotguns in the house. Obviously, the father's a hunter. But if you know your son is disturbed, like, I don't know, lock him up, hide him.
1: Yeah. At a hearing in the town of Poughkeepsie's courthouse, Brian was charged with second-degree murder in the deaths of his parents, Dennis, 44, and Marlene, 42, and his brother, Jason, 8, and attempted murder of his sister, Sherry, 17, who was actually in fair condition at the time at Vassar Brothers Hospital after undergoing surgery for the shotgun wounds.
0: Oh my god, I thought she di- I thought when they found her she was dead.
1: Nope, she was alive.
0: And she was shot in the head?
1: Yep. Oh my wow. He was ordered to be held without bail. Okay. But she does survive, you know, she's still alive now and she did a I think it was with 48 Hours or Dateline, she did uh, an episode. So Brian's attorney argued that Brian had been abused at home by an alcoholic father and an overbearing mother. He claimed that Brian had suffered cracked ribs and a broken nose as a result of confrontations with his father. He further argued that Brian had been forced by his father to watch violent shows on television, especially about war. So none of these allegations were true or to have any substance to them. Well, I mean, the sister's alive. The sister could attest to that. Right. Brian pled guilty on January 3rd, 1990. So he could have been sentenced to 25 years to life for each of the murders and between 8 to 25 years for the attempted murder of his sister. But instead, he he pled to one count of second-degree murder and was sentenced to 25 years to life. Now, under New York state law, he has to serve all of the minimum sentence. So he has to serve 25 years. I would think so. Brian's first regularly scheduled hearing to request parole was in November of 2013. The parole board denied him, citing extreme violence of the crime committed, as well as the disturbing number of disciplinary violations. Which I'd love to know what they were, but I couldn't find anything.
0: This guy's obviously got some severe anger issues (laughs) to say the least
1: yeah during his parole board appearance in 2015 documents from the board note that britain had the inability to demonstrate guilt over his actions so his poor sister now every two years has to deal with the potential of him being released so prior to his 2017 parole hearing his sister sherry created a petition on change.org to send to New York Governor Andrew Cuomo asking that Brian never be released. But this is what she wrote in part of it. She said, I fear for my life and that of my children if he were to be released. The only reason he admitted to the crimes was that he found out that I was alive. His intent on that fateful morning was to kill his entire family, but I survived. He has never shown remorse. He has never given a reason as to why he did what he did. This is a man that has never held a job in the outside world. He wouldn't know how to function in today's society. He has had 28 years to think about what he can possibly do to harm me when he gets out. Please, Governor Cuomo, help me to convince the parole board to keep Brian Britton in prison for my safety, the safety of my children, and for the safety of the community.
0: Well, he needs a psychiatric evaluation.
1: I mean, Jesus. I mean, maybe he's had one, but um, I didn't even think of like he's going to want to go after her when he comes out. Oh god, I I
0: mean I'm I would be scared for the public safety but but my own as well, but it's probably a more believable thing to say, listen, I'm afraid for my life than just saying he has to pay. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? It's probably more of a compelling argument to argue Well, yeah,
1: and I think I saw somewhere that you can't argue for them to stay for Parole to be denied based on the crime. Exactly.
0: So that's, I mean, if I am if the sister, that's the, the smart way to go. Even though it's probably true, but it's also probably the best route to take.
1: During his 2017 hearing, the parole board stated, I don't even understand this, but he must have got a very sympathetic board. They stated, frankly, a lot of 16-year-olds are in the same position. This is like what she's, they're saying to him. So, frankly, a lot of 16-year-olds are in the same position, right? You know, in some ways, you were just re-entering as an adult, but going through a lot of the stages that a 16-year-old teenager would be going through. Learning to drive, learning to, you know, improve computer skills, whatever it is, getting a bank account. Don't be too hard on yourself. You were very, very young, and we do give you a break for being impulsive and impetuous. All right, stop.
0: (laughs) What? What the hell? Well... You know what? Impulsive is going into a store and stealing a candy bar.
1: Right. Who hasn't done that? Or,
0: you know, getting into a fight. Mm-hmm. Impulsive is not murdering three members of your family, almost murdering a fourth. You know, I the problem I have, too, and you hear it a lot, which annoys the crap out of me, is this. Your brain is not fully formed when you're a teenager. And I mean, come on that's uh, you know you make dumb decisions when you're younger but th- to me that's not an impulsive decision that's a sick decision there's something wrong with him I thought for sure that you were going to say the eight-year-old brother came out and he let him go or no you know I mean that's just come on horrible
1: the kid didn't even have like a life you know he didn't even get to live anything and this idiot has a chance to come yeah. out
0: that's his older brother the, the guy that is supposed to protect him and teach mm-hmm. him you know
1: yep well so after that statement when i was reading it i thought for sure he's getting out but the parole board still denied his parole even with those statements the board good the board stated that his release was incompatible to the welfare of society They told him to shore up some firm release plans and keep his disciplinary record clean. At the last hearing on November 13, 2018, he was again denied parole. His sister, Sherry, does not remember anything from that morning. She only remembers waking up in the hospital and wanting to see her mother, father, and little brother. Sherry wants to remember and goes through the photos and videos because, quote, I want everyone in the world to know what a monster he is. Brian has never shown any remorse and recently has tried to blame his actions on medications that he was taking. The New York State Parole Board has denied Brian's parole four times, but he can reapply for parole in November 2019.
0: Well, you know what the other scary part about this is? It's not, it's not like... He's a 90-year-old man now at this point, and,
1: I mean, he's in his 40s. Yeah, so he's still able to... Yeah,
0: physically uh, do something like that again. Right. What about any friends? Do they talk about any peers or friends that he had? No,
1: and I don't know that he had that many friends as he got into his teenage years. I know he had the girlfriend, and there's one incident where she came over and brought, like... I want to say this is like two months before the murders, she came over and brought like vodka and they were drinking it and he was literally like chugging it and then he collapsed and she had to run and get his father and his father had to take him to the hospital. He had to have his stomach pumped and his sister was saying that, you know, had their father known what he was going to do two months later... He maybe would have just left him. Well,
0: shoulda, coulda, woulda. I mean, who the heck would think that their son would do that? Right. So uh, where are we now?
1: He's going to apply for parole again in November of this year. Now, they made it seem like if he's gotten some plans together for his release, something set up where he's not just being released and taking a cab to nowhere, you know, he has to get in touch with friends or family or someone that's going to take him in and help him get you know his life in order, and he doesn't get. I, I don't know. It seems like they're they're maybe going to let him out. I don't know. Uh, Would do you you go to like a halfway house or
0: something like that?
1: Yeah, there's that's a possibility. Yes,
0: I know. But this guy's good. This guy's he's like a ticking time bomb.
1: I wouldn't want to you know live next door to him. That's for sure.
0: When you are denied parole, how often does it come back around again? Like, it
1: has to be. It has to be at least every two years, so they can do it. Sooner than that. So that's what they did in this situation. They had um, a 2015, 17, 2018, and now they'll do 2019.
0: But look at like Shawshank Redemption, right? You see when Morgan Freeman is goes up for parole, he's denied and denied and denied over and over again. I think you can just keep doing it.
1: Oh, yeah, you can keep doing it. But why would they let him bump it up? right they're They're required to do it every two years, and at one point they do it every year.
0: I think that what we should do is keep an eye on this case, yeah and revisit it.
1: oh, absolutely. when November comes around, we'll have to do like a little update as to what happened, yeah,
0: well, and to be honest with this podcast it's it's kind of an alerting type of thing as well, you know, like hey, this cuckoo's a back out,
1: cuckoo cuckoo. <laughs>
0: All right, well, that was, a, that was a quick one, but that was a, a, a sick one.
1: All right, so that's it. That's the next one, the next case. So please email us. It's nefariousny at yahoo.com. We also have an Instagram page and a Facebook page. All
0: right, so we really, we really want to hear suggestions. Yes. Tell your friends. Mm-hmm. Please subscribe.
1: Yes, please subscribe. Leave a five-star rating and a review if you want. Is it time for the song? Yeah, man. That's the end of this episode of Nefarious New York. Nefarious New York. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. All right.